Welcome to the Insightful Player Podcast with your host, Chrissy Carew. In each episode, Chrissy interviews NFL players and other professional athletes to help transform our culture to be inclusive, kinder, and more loving. We hope to turn everyone into insightful players in their own lives. Chrissy is also the author of the book, Insightful Player, featuring over a dozen stories where football pros lead a bold movement of hope. You can learn more about her book, Chrissy's coaching programs, and more episodes of this show at www.theinsightfulplayer.com. You can also watch other episodes on YouTube and listen through all the major podcast platforms. Now, here's the host of Insightful Player, Chrissy Carew. The entire Insightful Player podcast initiative is dedicated to the late Tom Constantino. Tom Constantino was my PR consultant. He was over the moon fabulous. He introduced me to so many people, including in the sports world where I didn't know anyone. He really introduced my book to the entire world. And he always inspired me. He was so dedicated and he encouraged me so often, especially when I got down. He was really an exceptional human being and insightful player wouldn't have made it to where it is now if it wasn't for Tom. So Tom up there in heaven, I just want you to know you're going to live in my heart forever and I am forever grateful for you. Thank you. Welcome back to insightful player part two. And we have with us again, Rasheen Davis, and he's going to spend some time talking to us um, about how do we gain hope when things are really tough. Rasheed, welcome back. There are so many people without hope and um, they can't see beyond the struggle because there is so much struggle here. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, do you have any thoughts about that or, or where we could take that, how we could dive in, how our viewers could help out right now? Um, be the love that you want to receive. You know, I know we hear a lot about people saying, be the change that you want to see. Be the change that you want to see. I understand that and I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. But also be the love that you want to receive. You know, if you were in the situation, let's say the, the refugees in Afghanistan and all those people and everybody want to use this as a political you know, uh, punching bag to blame this person for that and that person for this. And, and what bothers me about us is that so many of us uh, get involved and succumb to, to, to that type of, I want to say theology, because really politics is like a religion to a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, and things that are shouldn't be political are political like there are literal lives that are involved people are literally dying on a daily basis because of situations and uh for lack of a better term buttons being pushed and words being said and power struggles over this and over that because of religion because of sex because of hate because of money because of all of these different things and we talk about it as though these are not literal lives 
Like these are people. Human beings. These are human beings and people that are jumping off or holding on to these airplanes as oh. the planes are taking off. Like these are literal people. These are not, this is not a, to you, it may just be another number, but that's a person. Somebody's going to miss that person. Somebody's oh. going to, um, somebody's going to miss that person. Somebody's going to die inside because of that person. Somebody might literally die because that person is missing. Yes. You know, and we talk about it as though it's not, that's not true. As though these are, these are political games to be played because of you like one party over the other, or, you know, you're, you're, you're caring about your safety over the other, but if you actually really loved somebody, loved one another, if we actually did that as our faith, and we say what our faith believes, I say what we say because we're supposedly a Christian nation. That's what we claim to be. That's what those that fight so hard kneel down, whether they practice or not. Um, when they pray to a God, when we pray to a God, most of the time in this country, when we pray to a God, those the God that we're praying to is Christian, whether he's Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or whatever else. Um, and I've read the Bible. Can't say that I've read it backwards and forward. Can't say that I'm, um, I know every verse, but I am well-versed. And what I do know is the God of the Bible the Jesus that we we uh, say we love would not approve. He just wouldn't. That's not what the Bible stands. That's not what he stood for. As a matter of fact, he himself was a refugee. Right. He himself was not a white man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He he he. That that's what the Bible says. I didn't make it up. I can't say he was black either. <laughs> um, but he was a person of color from somewhere right. outside of the United States. Contrary to what we believe, there are no white people in the Bible. Right? They're mm-hmm. zero. Um, there are no Americans. Zero right. Americans in the Bible, period. So to think that we're this exceptional nation because we've gained a lot of money or we, we we're worth a lot of money or we have a lot of power or I love America like everybody else, but I love America enough to criticize America, to criticize us, you know, doesn't say, doesn't mean that I want to live somewhere else. doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the people that fought and died. My father was one of those that fought for this country. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but he fought for this country and returned and he was not an equal citizen in this country. So when we talk about America, we got to talk about the truth. We got to be honest and we have to um, hold our own feet to the fire and say, hey, these are these are people. Like we're at, when we talk about health and we talk about COVID, we're talking about real lies. Not just only 1% of people have died. Well, 1% of people, my God, is over 600,000. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who are going to be missed. 
Uh Right. Like when we talk about um, racism, like these are real people. George Floyd died. And the only explanation that I have when I was watching that video, the only explanation that I have is that racism makes you hella stupid. It really, it, it, it disconnects you from reality when you're racist and you hate somebody from this for the for their skin color it disconnects you from reality because there's no other explanation that a man in law enforcement with a video camera on him knowing that it's being videotaped would risk his own life and and the life of his family and kneel on this man beyond two minutes plus beyond him moving. Nine minutes, I think. You know, there was nine minutes total, but beyond him moving, when he stopped moving, he kept his knee on his neck for two minutes and 40 something, or maybe longer seconds. Mm -hmm. Beyond him, George Floyd not moving. Then didn't administer aid, then like, you're looking directly into the camera. You don't think the world, given the world that we live in now, the world we live in now, you can upload video and the world can see it, especially here in America, because we do have freedom of speech and we do have freedom of expression and whatnot, and the internet is open and everybody in the world can see it. Do you think that he didn't he didn't have the wherewithal to know that? well, this is on tape and at very least, I'm gonna have an inquiry. I'm gonna be pulled into the office. But racism is the only thing that explains that because historically, people like him that look like him that have in the job that he had that have done the things that he's done, he was doing have gotten away with it. And so racism makes you stupid. That's the only conclusion that I can come to. It makes you so callous and so that racism is not a, it's not a political issue. It's a human issue. It's a human rights issue. A life is my life. When I walk out of this hotel room today could be in jeopardy because of some stupid idiot in their racist view for nothing, no other reason than the fact that my skin is darker than his or hers or whatever, so. Right, right, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I have a belief that um, a couple of things is racist people hate their own guts and and they're totally disconnected from their soul. And um, it, it just makes no sense to be, full, they're, they're enraged. And again, as I mentioned, when the whole George Floyd thing happened, I could not watch that video more than a couple of times I sobbed. And I didn't know what I didn't know, but I still don't know what I don't know. When we all don't know what we don't know, I don't know what it's like to be um, brought up anything but white middle America, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we need more from, from you to teach us. And um, because this this can't go on, this is, has to stop. And uh, we need more love and we, we just can't do this anymore. It's just, it's evil. And um, I like so much. I can't teach you. I can't tell you what it's like to be middle class American. I can tell you what it's like to grow up a woman. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. I wouldn't sit here and pretend. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is that I, I 
one thing that I've learned how to do, and I'm still learning how to do, my wife would probably say otherwise, is, is, listen. <laughs> is listen. Yes, that's a you good know? point. And that's the, the thing is, it's very, it's not easy to be objective, but you no. have to be objective in, and try to be objective in all situations. And um, I'm going to put the onus on, on you, though, as a white American and, and not on us as black Americans and uh, others to be the teachers. Right. Um, I think there's plenty of evidence, right? Uh, especially with the internet and all of that, others and, and videos that have coming out that are coming out almost daily now. There's plenty of evidence uh, where white America can go and do its own research and just be objective to the view and think to yourself, well, if this were me, right. if that were me, how would I react? If that were my child, how would I react in that situation? You yes. know, it's like it's on me to say, if that were my daughter, if that were me, if I could put myself in a woman's shoes and how I would feel if something like that happened to me or if what happened with the, the young lady who was raped by the Stanford swimmer, you know, and for him to be walking the streets freely and never get any jail time. How, if that were my daughter, how would I react? I shudder to think how I would react if that were my daughter. I shudder to believe in my own humanity at that point I, and what I'm capable of, you know? Um, I know what humanity is capable of. What am I capable of in a situation like that? I I shudder to think about that, you know? So. You're right. And um, I think empathy and compassion is something we all need to spend much more time with, with children. And that's the biggest reason why I reignited Insightful Player. I want to teach these children through you and through the other players and other leaders, um, the leadership now, how to be caring, loving leaders now. Um, because I think my generation blew it and um, you're in between, you know, and I think yeah. if we could put all our, you know, you're much younger. <laughs> you know, I think your mom, um, is that if we could put many more resources into children, because I think they're the ones that are gonna turn this around. And, but we need to support them in a much bigger way, much bigger way. And in teaching people forgiveness, just like you talked about with starting out your, your wonderful Saturday Place Foundation and teach them to be more visionary as well with the children, looking at that lake for the first time, looking at what's possible and um, giving them the resources they need. You know, mentors, I wish every child had a mentor or every child had a coach. You know, every, every child deserves to be very loved. And, and to feel loved and valued. And that's what we're trying to do here with the reignition of Insightful Player. I wanna call it a resurrection. I mean, that's how it feels to me, not to be 
blasphemous. <laughs> but I mean, that's how it's, we need dramatic change today. And we're hoping to get more people on board like you that can really make a difference um, and really get the children in the forefront because they're the ones that are going to, they're going to turn our culture around. And I think they could take humanity to heights that you and I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. However, if we don't really step in in a major league way, I think it's going to be the end of humankind. I know that sounds dramatic, but I really believe that. But we have a choice. We're on a path now. We have a choice. Mm-hmm. And so let's go with the love of the children and get them into programs and, um, and situations and resources where they feel loved and valued and let them teach us what to do with this culture. Maybe um, maybe then Insightful Player is a collection of stories that you turn into children's books. Oh, I love that. So um, as opposed to trying to get people to understand and read the stories in the Insightful Player, maybe you turn them into short story children books that ah. teach insightful lessons. Yes, um, I love that. I love that. That so show what, kids, okay, this is this is the world you live in. These are the people that live in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the stories of the people that I've met along the way in this world, in my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, learn from them. All learn right. From me, learn from us. Um, and I really think we don't put it, we don't put things in the people. We don't put things in the children. I believe that we draw children's uh the best sense of education, the best forms of education draw out what's already inside, what God has already put inside. Yes. Um, And they learn how to use what that that God has given them in a way that is beneficial to them in the world that they're living in. Um, And the one thing, one of the things that I think we could do better as a society and preparing all of our citizens is teaching every citizen the game that there's a game being played, whether we like it or not in life, right? In every society, there's different rules to the game. Um, In our society, I'll speak for our society in the world that we live in here in the United States. Um, We have to teach each other how to play the game that we're playing here in the United States when it comes to uh, everything that's happening. Be open and understanding this is a capitalist society and this is how it works. I'm not against capitalism necessarily. I am against some of the ways that we use capitalism. That being said, Capitalism isn't evil in itself, uh, but we can it can use improvements in the way that we go about it, right? We don't have to step on other people to gain uh, in this world, to live a comfortable uh, life in this world that we live in. Um, so if we, instead of trying to be predatory in everything we do when it comes to capitalism and no matter what it takes, we got to win. You know, we got to win. We got to win no matter what it takes, no matter who we have to step on or climb over to get to where we need to go, no matter who we need to 
to uh, prey on, you know, if we taught the game in a way that everybody, there's enough for everybody to eat. You know, one of the things that football taught me was that when you win, everybody eats. When you're on winning teams, everybody eats on those teams. Other teams are willing to bring in the least of the those that are on the winning team in order to pick his brain on what that team that was that's been winning for so long, what that team was doing. Everybody wants to know, right? And so there's more than enough food in this society for us to feed everybody. Yes. There's more than enough money in this society for everyone to have shelter. Yes. There's not more than enough money in this society for everyone to have health care. But we don't see it that way. You know, we see our paying taxes as a burden. We see our um, helping others as a burden, unless it's the charity, quote unquote, that we want to do and whatnot. Um, we see welfare as a burden. We don't see taking care of our poor and our um, vulnerable in society. We don't see that as uh, something that's worthy as a whole. Some of us do, but as a whole, we fight against that, <clears throat> you know, instead of embracing it. Like I, I read an article or a headline for an article the other day that talked about a school board uh, saying that, making a statement that uh, free lunches spoil children. This is a school district. I won't say the school board, but a school district. This is the title. Free wow. lunches spoil children. Like, and I, the first thing that I thought, and I even posted something on my story on Instagram that says, since when did it become a bad thing in our society to help uh, the most vulnerable? Since when did that become a bad thing? Because we we praise people for it. You know, the wealthy, when they give to charity, we're, oh, yay, the wealthy's giving to charity out of the uh, vast abundance of what they have. You know, but it's a burden when we do it as a public policy. It's a burden for it to be a public policy. And I think that boils down to us, you know, our freedoms. We don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I don't know. I know I'm all over the place. I know we're getting to an hour. Okay. And I know I don't know if you've gotten to what you wanted to get to, but no, I, I have. We have. We have. And there's a lot here to talk about. And um, you're right. I think a lot of people are oblivious. They've been wrapped up in their own lives. And that this is one of the things I hope that we can do with this uh, resurrection of the insightful player is to help people become more aware of things like that. It's not okay to have anyone feel that way about free lunches for kids. I mean, we should all want to help each other. We need to be unified, and we're not. So mm -hmm. this is what we're out to do, and to love love people up one side and down the other, especially those that are not as fortunate as we are. And it's mm -hmm. imperative that we do that. 
I think humanity depends on it. So, um, and before we go, I just want, I, um, if you wanted to say a few words about what you're doing with your work, including your high school coaching. Um, uh, coaching for me is just, it's therapy. You know, my body doesn't like me out there doing on that uh, hard turf <laughs> coaching, but I love coaching the kids. I love sharing the game that um, that has given me so much. Um, I'm fearful for the kids and injuries and all of that. I try to uh, – push that out of my mind because <laughs> especially since my son is playing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I truly believe that I got more out of football than I, than I gave, yeah. you know, and I gave a lot. I gave all of myself, but football in return, I think God gave me football and football in return has given me exceedingly and abundantly more than I ever dreamed of when I started playing. And so I think it can do the same for uh, the kids that I coach. And I try to share that with them, that they are more capable than they would even dream that they are. Um, and that's not just on the football field. So I coach at Carmel Catholic, and, and that's fun. Um, I'm still with Saturday Place. I'm on the board. Uh, we are still continuing to do the work that we've been doing since 2010. Um, and if anybody wants to donate to Saturday Place, they can go to SaturdayPlace.org. Uh, they can look us up on Facebook as well as, as on Instagram. Uh, I believe we have have a Twitter page as well. I don't run any of it uh, anymore, <laughs> thank God. Um, so, uh, thank God, thank God. Um, but Saturday Place, uh, we're, we're working on some fundraising deals uh, and opportunities. Uh, we need grant writers. Um, so for anybody that's in the grant writing and they know how to do it, we need to figure out in order to make Saturday place even more sustainable than it's already been. And it already is. We need institutional money and we need to figure that part out pretty quickly um, because the pandemic um, showed us that we are not as prepared as we would have liked to be, you know, okay. and to make us truly sustainable. Uh, we need that. And so we're working on that um, as well. But if we, if anybody, loves writing grants and that is watching this, please reach out to us at uh, SaturdayPlace.org. Um, what else am I doing? I'm on the board of Higher 360 Chicago, which is working on uh, helping break down barriers in uh, the construction world, construction industry here in Chicago, as well as introduce young adults to the trades, understanding that um, there are so many opportunities that are being missed in the trades because we no longer value the trades in this country as well as much as we used to, you know, and so in correcting some of the errors of the past and, and teaching everybody how to work in an office, we, we're trying to get people to understand, especially young people, that uh, we will always need builders. 
We will always need creators. We will always need plumbers. We will always need carpenters. We will always need these things. Um, we will always need chefs. You know, restaurants aren't going away. Uh, although the pandemic tried to get rid of them. <laughs> so, I'm laughing, uh, but it really breaks my heart. I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean to laugh like that, but I know, I know. I'm just trying to find a little levity in the in in, in all of the the drama that we're in right now. Uh, when it comes to COVID, but um, we do, we we need all of these people in the restaurant industry, and um, I'm almost past my working days, so we need to raise up young men and women who who want to do those things and understand. Look, a crane operator in Chicago, uh, a few years out of high school, can make two hundred grand. Back in my day, that was athlete money. $200,000 a year is a lot of money. Um, and this is a few short years. You could be making six figures a few short years out of high school, you know, without having to go to college. There's apprenticeships that are available. There's opportunities that are available for those that are willing and able. And let's be honest, some of us are built for it. Some are that creative and some are that intelligent. Some are that good that work with their hands. And we seem to value these jobs at a lower level. We don't think of them as, as in intellectual jobs and they actually are. And we don't, we devalue them. And so there are jobs that are available. So look up Hire360 Chicago. Um, I believe it's Hire360Chicago.com. Um, and uh, that's what we're working on. Good. That's great. That's great. I'll make sure all these links are included for you. And thank you for the beautiful work that you do. So they can, they can also find me on Instagram at, at Sheed, S-H-I-E-D 25 mm -hmm. um, on Instagram and then Rashid Davis on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter and all those other things. I am on LinkedIn. You can find me at Rashid Davis at LinkedIn, but I if I'm being honest, I don't look at my LinkedIn and it's not enough. I'm gonna whisper that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Rashid Davis or she 25 at, at Instagram is what I'm on most of the time, almost every day. Okay, we'll check um, that out. But beware that I am uh not apolitical. <laughs> so if you if, if if you want some truth, come come check me out. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good, Machine. I appreciate your time. And um, I'd like to end this with a, a wonderful quote from his story in the insightful player book here. Um, and I am going to put on my glasses so I can read it. Um, That's okay. I need glasses to read too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. This is from right out of Rashid's mouth. Find out what it is you really want to do with your life. Do what's best for your future and continue to try hard and push forward. Never give up. Never listen to people who knock you down and tell you you can't. You matter. Everybody matters. Your life means something. If it doesn't mean something to you, it certainly means something to somebody else. That was beautiful. A beautiful quote from you. Um, it's part of your essence and I appreciate you so much. So I, I'd like to invite our, our listeners to 
think about what uh, Rashid said today. He had a lot of wonderful points for you to try on precise. But as far as love, maybe you can go and acknowledge someone today. If you're going to the grocery store, notice what the clerk is doing. Say something nice to them that's genuine. You know, pick up the phone and call someone that could use a lift. Go knock on your neighbor's door. Smile while you're driving in traffic. Just anything at all. Just to, to let the love guide you today and for the for the rest of your life. And do something, one little thing every day. And I think that we'll be on the right track to, you know, helping transform our culture to be more inclusive, kinder, and more loving. So I want to thank you, Rashid. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching and listening to the Insightful Player Podcast with your host, Chrissy Carew. Chrissy is also the author of the book, Insightful Player, featuring over a dozen stories where football pros lead a bold movement of hope. You can learn more about her book, Chrissy's coaching programs, and more episodes of the show at www.theinsightfulplayer.com. We hope to turn everyone into insightful players in their own lives. You can also watch other episodes on YouTube and listen through all the major podcast platforms. Thank you for your comments, reviews, and sharing the show with others.